All right, there you go. Good morning, everyone. I'm glad you all were able to brave the elements to get here this morning. I, I know it's difficult. On my drive here today, I saw two cars from my house to Seacoast, and I thought I was back in the Midwest, and it was actually snowing. And I was joking to myself, thinking, do San Diego people think like you need plows before you can, snow plows before you can come out and drive in this? And then I saw someone, and he was all bundled up, walking on the side of the road. I think he even had moon boots on. And anyone from the Midwest, you know what I'm talking about, moon boots. The rest of you, just Uggs, whatever, something like that. I don't know. But, uh, so anyway, thanks for being here. I know it was tough to get here. You risked your life, but you're here. <laughs> Uh, good to be with you this morning. Again, I, I want to, again, thank you. As one of the pastors here at the church, thank you for participating in Community Serve Day. If, if you did not have the opportunity to go and actually serve, but you are an active part of this church, you also are part of it. Uh, just as when we send a team overseas to, uh, to serve in Africa or something, we always say the whole church goes. We do this as a whole church, whether you are out there serving or not. As we talked about Uh, When you give financially to the church, you enable us to do things like this. When you uh, volunteer week after week and you support and you've chosen to be a part of a church that that it wants to be involved in the community, you're saying these are things we stand for. And so all of you um, are to be thanked uh, as a part of Seacoast, just helping create the environment where where we believe, uh, as sometimes we say, that the church is for the benefit of its non-members. And we believe because of what God has done in our lives that we can be a blessing to others. And so all of you are a part of it. So thank you all for being a part of it. Even if you didn't wear your beautiful green shirts today, not going to lie, I think the site leader gray shirts are a little better. So maybe some of you need to step up next year and be site leaders if you don't want to wear green. So just, just saying. But a couple of, couple of other things uh, that in, in light of that, before we get to today's message, I just wanted to, to share. And that's as we... As a church, yes, we, we got involved in Community Serve Day, and one of the reasons is it always goes back to because we believe that God is in the business of changing lives, and that He desperately loves His creation, His people, all people. He cares about people, and if God cares about people, and we say we're followers of His, then we need to care about all people. And so that's why we participate in these types of things. That's why we want to be out there and say, God, if you're on mission to let your, your people know that you are a God of love and you care about them, then we're in. We're with you. So that's why we do things like that as a church. That's why week after week we have children's ministry and youth ministry and why we gather here. Because we remind each other that God is a God who cares about us and he cares about people who don't even come here. He cares desperately. And we believe that he is a God who brings life. And you're going to hear us talk about that over and over again over the next weeks and months and years to come. We kind of want to have a renewed focus on saying if we believe that following Jesus, it it brings life, it has the power to um, give hope, to give peace in our lives. Following Jesus, for me, has has given me uh, power and strength in my own marriage. So I believe that the life-giving power of Jesus strengthens marriages and families, has a power to restore relationships, has a power to help people and help us break addictions and lay down idols. We believe that God is in the business of doing that, and that's what have, experiencing life of Christ is about. And so you're going to hear us remind ourselves week after week that as a church, that's what we want to be. We want to be a church 
that is helping people experience the life that comes from Jesus Christ. In a couple weeks from now, actually three weeks from now, it's Easter already. Easter's coming up. I know, it's coming. That's okay to get excited for Easter, yeah. And, and, and Easter's one of those days that we are going to use this year as a church kind of as a day to practice what we want to have week after week. To practice being a church that sees the win as a church is when someone experienced life from Christ. It might be life in Christ for the first time. It might be someone who's kind of wandered from the faith to return. It might be a marriage receiving hope. The things I already mentioned. It might be someone saying, I now have the power to forgive and move on in my life. And we as a church want to celebrate. If we are about life, we want to be a church who celebrates week after week when people experience life. So Easter is coming up in three weeks. We're going to practice being a church that celebrates that and sees that as the win. And so I'm asking you to do a few things. If this is your church home, even if it's not, would you pray with us? Not right now, but right now until Easter. Not just now. Start praying that God would move in the hearts and lives of you and the people around you and in our community. And Easter doesn't have to be the only day he moves, but we're specifically, let's pray. Let's pray that God moves in someone's heart on Easter. That someone can experience renewal of life on that day. Because that day is about celebrating life. So would you begin praying? And the other thing I'm asking you to do is, will you participate with us as a church? To see that day as you are a part of this. You are a part of helping people experience life. We've asked some of our leaders, and I'll ask all of us, something as simple as this. When you show up, would you be willing to give up the best parking spots so that that best parking spots are for someone who maybe never comes to church? Do you know people make kind of funny prayers sometimes? They say stuff like, they'll drive into church, and I know because I used to be one of these people, would say something like, God, I don't really want to go, but I'm going to church today, so if there's, if there's a parking spot, I'll say... But if there's not, I'm not going to go. It'll be like a sign from you. I, I know that some of you make those kind of prayers all the time, too. What if, because you parked far away in the rocks, someone showed up and said, dang it. <laughs> there's an open spot. <laughs> Fine, I'll go in. And that might be someone who needs to be reminded that there's hope in this world. Would you be willing to say, I will give up my spot so someone else can experience life? When you come in and you're sitting in here and you see someone looking for a seat, you say, do you want to sit down? You and your whole family, I can stand up. Because it might be someone who can experience life from Jesus. We want to become a church that thinks like that every single week. We're willing to give up our comfort for the chance for someone to experience life from Christ. Those of you who serve coffee and make coffee every week, we love that you do this. And I want you to know, when you do this, it's not just so we have coffee. It's because it creates an environment where we can be a church that's friendly and loving and has someone, something to talk about, some, something that starts conversations, and somebody might experience life through those interactions. Kids ministry. And by the way, Easter Sunday, we, we, we need extra people. Some of you in here love kids. You're great with kids. We need you that Sunday morning. We have three services. Would you be willing to say, I can do that? What if you're being in there and making it a fun, inviting environment where you can show what the love of Christ looks like, that there's some kids who say, this isn't so bad. 
and they experience life. See, as a church, we want to be people who are bringing the life-giving power of Jesus to our community. And it's not some sort of secret mission to take over the world. (laughs) This is because we believe that God cares. So we want to be people who care. You tracking with me? You guys okay with that? Yeah, let's be that kind of church. That's the kind of church I want to be. So, all right, I'm off my soapbox. Going to start preaching. (laughs) Pray with me as we get into the text today. God, we thank you. Uh, We thank you that uh, for many of us in here, we experience hope that's found in you. And for many others, uh, Lord, maybe they're wondering if following you is something that can bring hope in a world that sometimes seems a little uh, short on that. And God, for others who are wondering if you are real, God, would you speak to us all here today? And Lord, as we look at your Bible and we look into the words that uh, Paul wrote today, God, let it be words that change us and transform us as a community And let this be about you. Let our church be all about you and participating with what you're doing. Uh, It's not about us. It's not about making ourselves look better. It's about making you look better. And uh, so we thank you. And we thank you that you love our church. We thank you that you love our community. You love Encinitas. You love the schools in Encinitas. You love all the kids, the families. Uh, And help us just participate with you in sharing that love. We thank you for this. In your name, amen. All right, well, I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. If you use a digital Bible, that is okay, too. So open up to uh, Ephesians, chapter 4. I used the sermon intro time up already, so no, no creative intro. We're jumping right in, okay? Today we're in a, a passage in, in Ephesians, chapter 4. This is a series of commands that Paul is giving and today he, he touches on this, this subject here. It's interesting we have a, a school principal here. Because, you know, when you think about uh, the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I, I've said it to my own kids when they were made fun of, and my own kids when maybe someone at school wasn't being nice to them. I said, you know, it's just words. And the more I think about it, I think that that statement is just a load of baloney. <laughs> So I think sticks and stones do break your bones sometimes, although mine have never been broken from sticks or stones. But words can crush. (laughs) Words hurt a lot more, usually. The writers throughout Scripture understand the power of words. I think of in Proverbs Solomon says in Proverbs 25:11, he said, like apples of gold and settings of silver, or uh, another way of saying it would be very expensive, nice jewelry, is a word that's spoken in right circumstances. In Proverbs 12:25, it says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes the heart glad. The writer of the book of James is writing and he talks about the power of words and and the tongue and he compares your tongue. He says it's like a a giant cargo ship out in the middle of the sea. And just one small little rudder changes the entire direction of that ship. He said the power of your words and the things you say are like that tiny rudder. It's a small part of your body, yet it can steer the entire ship. He also compares the tongue to a spark says, look at one tiny spark. What, what harm is that? But yet one spark can set a whole forest on fire. 
See, because the writers throughout Scripture understood that there's a lot of power in words. There's power to build a community, to encourage others. And there's power in words to tear a community apart, person by person. Words matter. Words are important. The things we say and how we say them are very important. So today, as Paul continues this letter to the the church from Ephesus, the gathering of Christians who are trying to figure out what was it like to follow Jesus in their new surroundings. Many of them were newer Christians, and they were saying, okay, here's a world that doesn't give us an example of how to live with the faith. So what does this look like? And Paul's been spending much of the letter to remind them of the work of God in their lives and the power that happens when when God transforms us and creates identity. And in chapter 4, he starts saying, so now as a church, as you interact with one another, you together give the picture, as we talked about Community Serve Day, together you give a picture of what the character of God looks like. So here's a a few commands. Paul jumps into five different commands that we've been going through to talk about. These are some things that are part of the image of God. This is what, these are marks of those who are following Jesus. Now, whenever we get to commands in Scripture, these five that we've been looking at, Paul starts with a negative command, something like, in your anger, don't sin. And then he follows it with a positive command. Today he says, hey, don't let unwholesome words come out of your mouth. And then a positive, but instead... Only words that are useful for building up others. But anytime we get to a series in Scripture where we have these negative commands, I know the guard goes up with many of us. Right? Because the first thing we think is, oh, here we go again. Here's religion. Tell me all the things I can't do. That's what it is. Show up at church and I hear all the things I'm not supposed to do. When I first became a Christian, I was in high school and I uh, was at a, a very conservative youth group in the Midwest in St. Louis kind of the upper edge of the Bible belt. And um, a friend of mine, we joked because we heard a phrase once and we used it often. And, and, and we heard this, as, this is what they summed up Christianity for us was, don't smoke or curse or chew or go with girls that do. So, for, <laughs> and, and that was as a high schooler who becomes a Christian, I thought, okay, yeah, that's faith right there. That's what they want. It's a series of things to not do. But I want to urge you and help us understand that even when Paul says, don't let unwholesome words come out of your mouth, don't put up the guard and say, here we go again. What's another thing I'm not supposed to do? When he gets to these negative commands, think of this. In art, think of it as negative space. Now, we have a lot of fantastic artists in this room, actually. We have some who are painters and and people who can draw and, and color inside the lines, all kinds of wonderful things. And... And with all of this, a good artist will tell you that negative space is just as important as what you put into the space. There's times when you leave things out so that it's not cluttered and you can focus on what matters. Even in music, that's why we have rests. When you rest, sometimes then the music comes in with emphasis. Even in public speaking, there's times when we can use negative space to create a point. When we speak, we want to eliminate all the filler words, the likes, the ums, the ah. It's negative space. We take it out so that there's room for things that matter. So when Paul is giving us a list of commands, don't think of it as, oh, here's another list of all the things I have to remember not to do. He's saying, no, remove the clutter from your life. 
Remove the clutter so there's room for the things that actually matter. Eugene Peterson says this. I have a quote for you up on the screen. It says this. uh, When you think of all these moral commands, we don't become good in order to get to God. But these moral acts are art forms for arranging and giving expression to the power of Christ on display in us. So when we get to these commands now, of what we fill that negative space, these are art forms for arranging and giving expression to what it looks like to have the power of the resurrected Lord in our lives. They're art forms. So let's jump right into it today. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says this. Paul begins, he says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as good for edification according to the needs of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. So again, you have the negative command, don't let words come, negative words, unwholesome words come out of your mouth. Positive command, only what is good for building up others. We'll get to that in a moment. And then the reason why so that it gives grace to those who hear. So let's go and just take, break this verse apart. Let's start with the do not let unwholesome words come out of your mouth. This idea here of unwholesome words, he uses this word actually, it's sapros in Greek. And we often see this, uh, actually it's used by one other person in scripture, only one other person, a guy named Jesus Christ. And when he uses the word sapros, he's using it in connection to good fruit and bad fruit. Jesus uses it. It's actually a word that means rotten. And, and this is much further. This is not just saying like, okay, so don't cuss. No, he's not even talking about that. He's talking about words that you need to separate out that are rotten, that are not useful at all. And so when Jesus uses the word sapros over and over again, it's always in connection to good fruit and bad fruit, or good fruit and rotten fruit. Fruit that gives evidence to a tree that is a good tree, or rotten fruit that comes from a tree that is rotten. In other words, it shows us what type of tree it is. So in Paul, the only other time this word is used throughout Scripture, sapros, he intentionally uses this instead of a word bad. He uses rotten. He's connecting it to saying, these are things that should be separated out because they're not evidence of anything that's actually life-giving or good. So what are some of those rotten words? What does that look like in Christian life? You could probably think through your daily interactions and think, when are the times when you use words that you go, oh, okay, maybe that statement wasn't the best way to say it. Maybe that wasn't actually useful for building someone else up. For those of you who are in relationships, I doubt it's ever happened, but every once in a while, I'm sure you've heard about people who say things that isn't useful to build up the relationship. I've, we've seen it on TV anyway, right? <laughs> And maybe you have those moments when you, this sentence goes into your head and you have that filter that says, don't say it, don't say it, don't, do not say it. And you're like, I, okay, I won't. Boom, and then you say it anyway. <laughs> it happens with my wife all the time. And uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that filter goes and you say it. And as soon as you say it, you go like, oh man, I just dug a hole, didn't I? <laughs> That's the rotten fruit. It's the things that are not useful for building up others to filter out. My undergraduate degree was in education. And when I moved down to Southern California, I moved and I was uh, working on my master's degree at seminary at, at Biola University. And one of my two jobs, in addition to my grad school, was I was a substitute teacher. And, uh, and I loved teaching and I loved junior high school. 
So, and, and those of you who teach, most of you think junior high school is where God sends bad people to teach, and that's probably why I was there, but, um, but I was there and I loved junior high. It was fun teaching there, and one thing I loved is junior high, especially the seventh grade boys, you know, I'd walk in and I was, I was young, you know, it was a couple years ago, and um, I would show up and they would be in the back popping off, just, you know, being something, saying something smart, and, and I loved because I would dish it back out, but a little, you know, step beyond, and, and, and it, it was pretty effective in junior high. Well, one day I got called into a first grade classroom. Uh, of all my days substitute teaching, I think I was like 20 to 1. I was in junior high or high school as opposed to elementary school, and that was a good thing. But the one, one of these times I got called in, it was first grade. One day in my whole life I taught first grade. <laughs> Those of you who are first grade teachers, God bless you. I know you love, people who teach that age, they love it. They're cute, I get it. Uh, I have a second grader, totally cute, don't want to teach a classroom of them. <laughs> but I went in there and I remember um, one this, this kid, his name was Luke. I don't know why, I, I do know why I remember his name. It was a vivid moment. And, 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 <laughs> and Luke was in the back and, and I had to get all the kids up to gather for story time or something. And, and he was in the back and, and I said something like, and those of you who are teachers are like, that's not an effective way to say it. I know, I get it. But I said, hey, Luke, how about you come up and join the rest of the class? And Luke was in the back, and he says, how about I don't, and I just stay back here? Now, <laughs> when I heard that, there's a lot of good ways to respond to that. One might be, now, Luke, you need to understand. You know, there's probably some logical way. But I was used to seventh grade boys. So he says, well, how about I don't, and I just stay back here? And I'm like, okay, well, how about I send you to the principal's office? You can sit there. <laughs> Which works in junior high. It's really effective. Luke looked at me, and then a little lip came out, and the eyes squinted, and then Luke started crying. <laughs> Luke probably went home that day, and the mom said, how was your day at school? The teacher was mean. <laughs> the teacher made me cry. <laughs> probably if I go back and say, were those wholesome words or unwholesome words? Now you say, Luke had it coming. Yeah, someone on my side over here? Yeah, he did. <laughs> those probably weren't the best way to use those words. Something as simple as that would be bad fruit. It's rotten. It's not building him up. Now, did Luke need to learn something? Yes. And it, talk to first grade teachers. They'll tell you how to deal with them. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the other way to do it, but <laughs> I'm sure there's another way. We do that in our lives time and time again. Because... Something about rotten fruit just feels a lot better, doesn't it? It felt so much better saying that to Luke than, okay, Luke, hey, you need to understand, you know, that, didn't, that doesn't feel good. It feels good as giving it back to him. <laughs> what feels good is a little bit of gossip here and there. What feels good is talking about someone who needs to be talked about in a negative way. That feels good. But scripture would say that's rotten fruit. It's not useful. It's falling from a tree that isn't giving life. Those are the types of things that we can think through that Paul would say, let's get rid of that. Create the negative space so that there's room now for the positive. And then he jumps into the positive. And he says, instead of those words, he says, only give words that are good for edification. Now this word edification, it's a church word, let's, let's be honest. I've never heard it outside of the church. 
But it, it's a word that ha- it relates to construction and building. It's related to the root word of house. And so it means that words that are useful for building up others according to the need of the moment. So use words that build up others. Now, by the way, this doesn't mean you can never talk about useless things like sports or politics. I mean, you can talk about those things. Okay, only one. Um, But it means when we use our words, let's try to use them for the purpose of building up others. When he says this now, for the needs of the moment. Words that build up. Here's a couple thoughts about words that build up. Words that build up do this, and I have a couple points here. One, words that are a reminder of the character and the work of God. Those are words that build up. One of the reasons we value as a church gathering together Sunday mornings, we, by the way, we really value being out in the community. We don't want to be a church that's a country club. We do not want to be that. If that's what you're looking for, wrong place. But we also know the value of coming together week after week to remind ourselves of the character of God. So we gather and, and we remind ourselves of the character of God and the work of God in our lives and in the lives of others. Those are words that build up. Telling people, reminding them of their identity in Christ and what makes them uh, continue on. The times when you hear things like, like, I understand that you're struggling, but God hasn't given up on you. Those are words that build up. I understand that you're striving and you're tired out from the Christian faith, but God says, I do the work for you. You don't have to. His grace is what saves you. You can find rest in Jesus. Those are words that build up. When we remind ourselves of the character and the work of God. The other types of words that build up are words that are obviously encouragement, but specifically this morning, encouragement in the faith. Specific encouragement to people and how God can use them. I love when I see some of you working and, and, and it's such a pleasure to see someone say, like, I think you are so great at this. I love when you do this. Do you know God's using you? I look at some of our, our volunteers over here in, for a junior high school ministry and I look at them and I, and I can say, I love to see your hearts for the students. You are making a difference. It doesn't always feel like you are, but you are. And thank you for being so good at it and loving it. I mean it. Let's use those kind of words with one another. I had received a phone call last week. And I get this phone call probably a couple times a year, two, three times a year. It's from a former student, no, student of mine. When I was a senior in high school, I was a new Christian, and my church said, hey, um, we need someone to teach the sixth grade boys Sunday school class. And I was like, sure, why not? That sounds fun. So I started teaching this group of about 15 sixth grade boys. And Mary Jane, if, if she, our, our children's director, if she heard this, she would say, I need to recruit you because I never missed a day. And, and I don't even know who was in charge of children's ministry. I just know one day someone asked me to do it and I showed up every week and I loved it. And they were my group, and, and that actually grew from there. I got into working with the junior high ministry, and that led me into a, a, a career in youth ministry for many years. But one of the students, he's actually the younger brother of one of the students, eventually kind of got older and was in my, my first junior high group. But we've had a friendship for all these years, and that was about 20 years ago. The other day I got a call from him. And his call, he lives up in Seattle area where we were working, and his call sounded something like this. 
Hey, um, Ryan, I'm on my way to work. It's 50 degrees. The sun is out. The mountains are filled with snow. I can see them clearly. Why aren't you moving up here? This is awesome. I called him the next day and said, what's, it, what's the weather today? He says, it's raining. I go, that's why. Um, <laughs> but a few times a year, he gives me a call like that and says, I, just, I was thinking about you. Just thinking about you. Wish that you could be closer. It's always something like, you're important to me. I think that was 20-some years ago. Those words encourage and build me up. They remind me that some, this crazy life of working in churches sometimes is okay. This week, we got a, a, an email from a teacher over at Sunset High School. Many of you are pretty actively involved at Sunset, and I want to read this email. Because this is a great example of words that build up. And this is not about me at all. This is about those of you who, who invest in Sunset High School. The teacher says, hey man, and he's, he's writing actually to Jonathan to convey the message, but he says, hey man, all the teachers here came into school today to find a big thank you bag with individual cards and goodies. I couldn't read the signature, but I know you're in the loop and you're involved. Not sure how many times saying thank you is effective, but here we go again. Thanks. Please be sure to pass on to all those involved. You and your friends at Seacoast certainly live by your beliefs. As I mentioned at our lunch, you all may or may not see the fruit of your labors in the immediate future or even ever. God will, though, assuming he sees through walls. And there's a smiley face. The kind words, the care, the love for strangers is all good stuff and it's all meaningful. Lives will be affected for many years and in many places and many decisions may well be made based on a caring moment, a card, or a lunchtime experience. Sorry for passing judgment on you, but I think you're doing great work. Man, that's what it's like to have words that are profitable, that build up. Those of you who invest in our Sunset Ministry, our Sunset High School, going there and just hanging out with kids and saying, keep up the good work. Did you hear this? I hope you feel encouraged today. I love that. These are the kind of conversations and words that Paul has in mind. And he has them in mind for us in the community of faith to remind each other, to build each other up. He has it in mind for our marriages. He has it in mind for our parents and child relationships. He has it in mind even coaching. I hate hearing this because I'm a baseball coach. We talked about it before. This is difficult sometimes. (laughs) But I want you to see something here. He finishes this. Paul, now he says, use words that are useful for building up, but according to the need of the moment. So now I want to give you a little other kind of caution. This isn't always just what makes someone feel good. Because according to the need of the moment, sometimes it's something someone doesn't want to hear but needs to hear. We often come up with that in parenting, right? Teachers have to deal with that. Coaches have to deal with that. The according to the need of the moment sometimes isn't always rah, 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 keep it up. Sometimes the need of the moment is, hey, let's talk about what's going on in your life. There was a time when I was uh, growing up playing baseball. It was something I loved to do. And um, I was the the star pitcher on this team. And we were going into a pretty big game. And during warm-ups, I was being lazy. 
I wasn't running. One thing I preach my, my kids all the time is when you're between the lines, work hard all the time. And that's the way I do things. But for some reason that day I wasn't. And we got back in and warm up. So my coach looked at me and said, Ryan, you're not playing today. And I was kind of like, <laughs> nah, that's funny. Of course, of course I am. You need me. And he says, nah, you can watch from the bench. If you can't warm up with the team, you can't play with the team. So I watched the whole game from the bench. And I went back and forth between, am I learning a lesson or do I hate my coach? (laughs) But guess who never did that again, ever again? According to the need of the moment, right there, he probably could have said, hey, come on, I need you to work a little harder. And I probably would have. But I'm glad I learned that lesson as a sixth grader instead of in my job as I got older. According to the need of the moment, sometimes is a hard thing to say. So don't pass that up, but also do that with grace. Not with the sarcasm I gave to little first grader Luke, (laughs) but with love, with encouragement, with wanting their best. And fill the negative space with positive according to the need of the moment. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6, It's this, I have it on screen for you. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. There are some times that the wounds from a friend are evidence of someone who's faithfully loving you. And the kisses of an enemy are very deceitful. If all you're getting is that love, that rah, 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 sometimes that is the worst thing for you. And I hate that part, so let's move on. So... (laughs) Let's move on to the best part. So that it will give grace to those who hear. You see, because the true mark of Christianity is grace. It's a love that's poured out to us undeserved. It's love that is not earned. It's something that we can't do on our own. It's grace to those who hear. When we get rid of the negative words and fill it with words that build up according to the need of the moment, it gives grace to all who hear, not just the one receiving when the world sees how followers of Jesus interact with one another, when the world sees how followers of Jesus uh, interact in our marriages, they should say, wow, there's something different and attractive about that. They receive grace when they hear and see it. One of the things that I often think as a coach is I make this prayer at the beginning of the season is, God, whatever players I get, You've given them to me. Help me treat them well and be an example of your love. And every year, God's just, he thinks he's funny and he gives me a couple kids that's really hard to do that with. And he attaches them to their parents who are usually harder. (laughs) I seriously am going to quit praying that prayer. I'm just like, next year I'm going to try, God, just give me a winning team. Like seriously. (laughs) But the desire is that as they see me interact with them, as my fellow coaches who I'm friends with, who know what I do, they call me the preacher. When they see how I coach my kids, they should say, you know, Christianity is not so bad. They receive grace when they see how I interact. It's real intentional. When we use words that build up according to the needs of the moment, when we remove the negative, it brings grace. So we get to the point where it's our response here this morning. And verse 30, actually, now Paul throws in a little extra encouragement. 
Verse 30 is this weird verse that's attached to this section. And he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. All of a sudden, Paul gets all churchy on us. <laughs> right after he says, Hey, remove the negative. Become positive. Building up according to the need of the moment. It gives grace to all who hear. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. I've often heard that and said, Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Cheap shot. Where's that coming from? He says, The Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed, but for the day of redemption. Earlier on in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, Paul describes and says, The Holy Spirit is the mark on our lives. Nothing that we can do or earn, but that when God moves in us and is transforming us and making us into new creations, that that is basically like God's fingerprint on our lives. And when we are living outside of the fingerprint of God, it grieves the Spirit who's already at work in us. So Paul says, don't grieve the Spirit. Let God transform you and change you and make you who you are. Allow yourself to be transformed. There are things that we like to hold on to and say, God, you can change this and this, but I'm going to hold on to this one a little longer. I bet if I asked you right now, everyone in here could think of one thing. You said, yeah, I know I should probably change this, but I don't feel like it. It might have to do with your words. It might have to do with how you talk to other people. I don't know. But those who are followers of Jesus, he says, don't grieve the Spirit of God. He's, he's working in your life. He's transforming you. Allow God to transform you. Don't keep fighting against I want to end by going back to a quote from Eugene Peterson who started us off with a quote. And this is, uh, I think, brings it back in to say, again, as, as God is moving and transforming our lives and changing us, he keeps using this word forms, and he just means habits and lifestyles. But Eugene Peterson says this, So far, all of these forms or all these behaviors that Paul is instructing us to follow are things that the Holy Spirit uses to give witness to the ways that God is God and the Father and Son through the church to the world. These forms or these behaviors are just behaviors. It is the Holy Spirit who provides the content and the energy that fills the forms so that they become vessels of righteousness and holiness. They're just behaviors but it's the Spirit of God working in you and through you to provide the content, and I love the next part, the energy, to allow these forms to be life-giving behaviors to the world. Can we as a church be a church that is giving life to one another, building each other up in our relationships with one another, in our community, at our places of employment, places we volunteer, the people we interact with, at our local coffee shops and grocery stores, can we be a community of people whose words bring life and whose forms, our behaviors, are empowered by God and filled and energized by Him and not on our own? Do you want to be that church? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much uh, that you are a God of great grace. You are a God of love. You're a God who pours out yourself for us even when we don't deserve it. 
And Lord, I thank you for the times you move through us and you work in us and work around us so that we and those around us can experience life that comes from you in Jesus Christ. Lord, for all of us in here this morning who feel convicted, who feel challenged, maybe it's for the way we use our words, maybe it's just for something totally unconnected. God, would you give us the courage this morning to surrender to you and to allow you to be God of our lives? And Lord, would you continue to work in and through and around us here in Encinitas in North San Diego so that we can be agents who are bringing life that's found in you to the world around. We thank you, God, and we pray now as we turn our hearts to a couple of songs and worship as we end our time, Lord, would you, would you continue to speak through us even in this time? We thank you and give you this now in your name. Amen.